You're listening to Liturgies of Life, the fifth season of Enacting the Kingdom. Here you'll be joining me and Father Jeffrey as we consider the wider implications of our everyday rituals. From shopping to social media to sports and to the so-called work-life balance, let's explore how the mundane aspects of our daily existence truly become liturgies of life. Have you ever found yourself without a phone in your pocket, but then you feel the buzz and you have to go and grab it and take it out because you have a message, but there is no phone in your pocket. Hmm. That happens to me very often, Father Jeffrey. I think it happens to a lot of people called, I don't know what it's called, the phantom buzz or something, but it's now recorded in the, in the psychological literature as a real phenomenon. Does that happen to you, Father Jeffrey? It hasn't. So I'm, I'm staggered oh, that <laughs> you are saved from this. You know, maybe. like the, maybe the, I just the, never don't have my phone with me. <laughs> right. So we. So the topic today is uh, we're going to be talking about smartphones, but smartphones as a devotional object. But we're going to get to that in a bit. But you know, one thing. One thing that strikes me with that phenomenon of like the phantom buzz, right? Oh, somebody's somebody's messaged me. Somebody's messaged me, and you have to take it out. Um, but then you realize maybe your phone's in the other room, right? It really reminds me of the way that some of the desert fathers and mothers talk about the thoughts that come in, right? And mm-hmm. They try to do everything they can do just to like put aside those thoughts and you want to limit those distractions. And we have kind of this distraction machine. I've heard it called um, a weapon of mass distraction that mm-hmm. exists right in our, in our pocket. But before we get into this, because we're going to be talking about phones and we're going to be talking about smartphones and how we use them. And lest we sound like old crotchety priests going on about how technology is just the worst, I think it'd be good to maybe start this conversation with how smartphones have been useful and good and and maybe even in the life of the church have been useful. I, I have some ideas here, Father Jeffrey, but I'll let you go first. Well, sure. I mean, I think I, for one, you know, thinking back over the life I've lived over the last decade or longer now, um, couldn't have done what I've done without the sort of freedom afforded by being able to work from pretty much anywhere. And that involves, you know, being able to carry a powerful, powerful computer in my pocket, right? So, I mean, those who know my life and career, you know, path and everything know that, I mean, it involves multiple overlapping, you know, kind of jobs and responsibilities and that sort of thing. And I mean, I just think of 20, 30 years ago, one could only be in one of those worlds at a time, right? You had to go and be at a desk in an office building in order to do a certain job. And, you know, if you left that, you were assumed to be not working, right? And so, uh, you know, people had to put in 40 or 50 or whatever hour weeks to be able to to do that job and and to have the kind of multiple personality life that I've had in terms of jobs and vocations and that sort of thing to be able to afford to be a priest for example I've had to work at other things and the results of being able to carry a computer everywhere I go has meant that I could be doing multiple things throughout the day and be in different places and not have to be tethered to a particular, you know, location. So that alone has enabled me to do, you know, what I've done. I wouldn't have had 
this if I hadn't had you know something like the smartphone uh, available to me. And I can remember you know just juggling all those kinds of things. It it first kind of came to the the four we got uh, the iPhone. When it came out, um, we were living in France at the time, and I can remember, you know, shepherding children to to different kinds of activities or shopping in the the food market and that sort of thing. But taking phone calls about from one of my jobs in order to, you know, kind of uh, deal with a, a crisis at the time and and being able to kind of quickly log in and, and fix something from from a remote distance. I mean, it just has been pr- tremendously freeing for the flexibility and, you know multiplicity really of, of kind of modern life as, as I've had to live it, you know, certainly. And I don't know that that's everybody's situation. I maybe have an extreme example of, of all of that, but I don't think anything that I've kind of done over the last couple of, of decades would have been possible, you know, without it. So for that, I'm thankful. Right. And, and I think, you know, some people would kind of hear what I'm saying and think, oh my goodness, he's always available to everyone, you know, he's tethered to all of those different, you know, things. And so consciously, I've had to limit that psychologically and say, no, I'm cutting off at this time, I'm not going to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But the flexibility, the freedom that that's given has been has been very empowering overall. Yeah, yeah. We at St. Maria's here, when we were born in the COVID pandemic, in the first lockdown, you know, May 2020 is when we received our, our blessing to f- formally form as a as a community. And we didn't have a space. We didn't have anything. We we had nothing. And on top of that, we weren't allowed to meet physically. So what, what do we do? So we got a, a Zoom subscription and we would meet together. Uh, everyone would kind of mute their screens, but we would kind of be on, a, I guess, like a conference call, but you would be standing in front of your icons and we would read through Vespers together or read through Tipica or whatever it might be. And, you know, that many people like I do, like many people in the community, we use our phone in order to actually congregate and pray together. You're alone at home, but you're praying together with others. Um, and, and, you know, that's what I want to get across here is this: the, the phone is not a good or a bad thing. It's a tool. It's a tool that we can use and that we need to use appropriately. Like just like a hammer, you can use it to build a house, but you can also use it to murder people, you know, and one is better than the other. Um, So I think that'll, that'll come up uh, a couple of times here that the phone is a tool for us to use. Uh, Before I dive into kind of the first uh, thing I want to talk about, Father Jeffrey, was there anything you wanted to bring up? No, dive in. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, here we go. So uh, I was once giving a talk at Niagara University in New York, in Niagara Falls, New York, and I was asked to talk about kind of orthodox spirituality and things like that. And I was comparing kind of what this season of enacting the kingdom is about, which is comparing how, you know, how the actions that we do in everyday life have these ritualized and um, religious aspects to them. And one thing I was talking about was icons. I was talking about how we bow, we would cross ourselves, we bow to icons. And, and I said, well, you all, you all bow to images every day, multiple times a day. And you kind of see curious looks from the, from, from the group. And then I, took, I take up my phone and I look down at my phone. And that act of looking down was this act, you know, it's an act of bowing. So I compared uh, the act of bowing to the images on your phone as a devotional and religious act. And I think it went over well in that room. I can imagine places where it might not go over or might not be um, 
might not be understood what I was getting at. But that idea of actually that physical action of bowing and looking at your phone seems to me to be quite a ritualized act. And, and often our fingers know where to go and what to touch by muscle memory. We don't even have to think about it, right? There's this, the way that you open up your Instagram app is ritualized. You know exactly where your finger goes. You don't have to think about it. Um, so much about our interaction with our phone is ritualized. So yeah, I don't know. What do you make of that story, Father Jeffrey? Yeah, I mean, and here's the irony, of course, because we call computers information processors, right? And we, it, it's a function of a world that over several centuries has sort of said, well, the principal and primary dominant part of the human being is the thinking, right? That is the brain, is the rational faculty. And so, you know, sure, computers are just the kind of fullest expression of that, right? They're processing information only. It's all about ideas. It's about thoughts. Except that every technology that we interact with, and especially, you know, the, the smartphone and, you know, and this is, this is by design, right? All those technologies are attended to by bodily practice, right? They can't actually completely reduce us to being thinking things only. It requires some kind of bodily interface. You know, you describe that being kind of hunched over, looking downward at your phone or, or whatever, and reaching out and, and touching it. I mean, but even computers at desks and where we're glued to screen, where our attention is directed away from others when we're at a dining table and things like that. It's a bodily experience, right? And the, the, the whole interface, you know, with it, involves our bodies and especially as i say with with smartphones with the the touch screen with the the, the that very tactile um, experience right that if your fingertip is intimately connected to the device right and uh, you know we don't so much touch our smartphones as caress them right it, there, I mean, there's some, it's deeply intimate in, in that regard and all of these things are actually deeply, deeply formative, right? We've spoken before about what makes something truly, you know, formative in terms of, of our, you know, what we do and our behaviors and, and what we go about doing in our life is, is practice, right? Is, is doing something repetitively causes us to, to kind of take that on. You use the term muscle memory, the, we, we take it deeply within ourselves, in our bodies, so that we're able to just kind of repeat this without even thinking, you know, about it. And so the the whole interaction between ourselves and these devices, particularly that tactile touchscreen smartphone, is a whole series of micro practices um, that they, they, and they're reconfiguring our relationship, not just with that device, but with the whole world you know, around us, right? That that it's changing our, our, our being, it's changing our personality, it's changing our behaviors at these deep, deep levels. And, uh, you know, as you say, we don't want to be, you know, the, the kind of crotchety Luddite, uh, you know, d disparaging all technology, but by pointing this out, we have to become aware of it so that we can begin to notice, right? That's the key right, thing. Right. We have to question and notice what is happening to us. So if we can kind of push into, you know, what is it that I'm doing as I'm doing all these physical interactions 
you know, throughout my day, you mentioned bowing down and, and, and kind of giving that kind of devotional attention, you know, to something, but it, but it's, it's more than that. It's about, you know, the, the swiping, you know, to, to kind of discard or affirm, right. And, and touching things. It's about the, the kind of pinching to zoom. I mean, all of that is reconfiguring the world around us, uh, around us right we, you know we're, we're restoring a pre-copernican you know worldview of we are the center of, of the universe right because we have this kind of control this power this this uh this way of manipulating things it was um jamie smith pointed out a few years ago that and we mentioned him before in, in that opening episode of, of this series around um the cultural liturgies and so forth and he's been a real uh you know, he's attended to, to this phenomenon a lot, but he, he mentioned that there was a series of beer ads a few years ago that, that, that played on, on this in a really powerful way. I think it was Michelob Ultra or something like that. But you know, a guy comes out of work on a Friday afternoon and you know, he's ready for the weekend. He's, he's been working hard and everything. He comes up to his car in the car park and it's like this old jalopy kind of car you wouldn't want to be seen in. And so he reaches out with his finger and swipes. And then there's this great car, right? This convertible or whatever. And so he's taking his friends. Of course, they instantly go to the beach because beer commercials tend to go to the beach. And there they are on the beach. They're having a good time. And in the distance, there's, there's these ladies, right? And it might be the kind we want to spend time with or not, you know? So pinch and zoom, you know, and suddenly they're right in front of them, right? And yes, they're exactly the kind of uh, people they want to spend time with, besides which they're already drinking the beer that they are supposed to be drinking, because that's what the good life is all about. And, and they're and they're partying and everything. So it's like one thing after another, and you recognize immediately, oh my goodness, this is how we've been trained to see the world, right? I'm not happy with where I am, swipe. Right, uh, you know, I want something I can just pinch in, and 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 it will zoom up up to me. And this is not just about an, a kind of neutral interface with a device, right? This has actually become the way we've reconfigured our way of thinking about reality, right? And how many of us are unhappy in our life, basically, because we can't swipe enough or quickly enough or far enough to be able to change our reality, you know, that things that are too far away from us, we can't actually zoom in on. And, and we've, we've just, our whole kind of psychology and psyche has been reprogrammed because of these micro habits. And as you say, you know, you don't even have to think about it to, to open apps or to use them or to manipulate them. And, and, and this is something we, we have to pay a lot more attention to than, than we have because it is precisely this kind of thing that has changed our, our very way of being. If you're not a patron of Enacting the Kingdom, you're only getting half a podcast. This show only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. When you become a patron, you'll get additional episodes, live streams, and our ever-growing backlog of episodes, 66 at the time of this recording. And as we're social media free, Patreon is the only place to engage with us and others about these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. Thinking about how those small little ritual actions actually change the way that we perceive the world is, is profound. So I guess what do we do? Like, it seems to me that it's not just about getting rid of it, right? I, I mean, there are some of us will need to get rid of our smartphones for our spiritual health, right? Like some of us, you know, it, Jesus 
in his teaching says, you know, if your right hand causes you to cut off or it causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your phone causes you to sin, maybe go for a light phone, right? Go for a flip phone, right? There's ways that you can um, reduce those opportunities for temptation. Um, so I, for some of us, that might mean cutting our, ourselves off from the smartphone technology. Um, but I think it's not like that's not the rule for everybody, right? It's not like uh, the rule for Orthodox Christians is you're not allowed to have a smartphone. I think it's about intentionality and being really intentional with how you use it and being really aware of how the technology is using you as well, right? How the technology is uh, understanding your own psychology and how your body works and and serves you. Um, I, I think I'm onto something there, Father Jeffrey. I'm hoping you'll expand a little bit about that, but about the intentionality that we should bring. Like, what what can we do to bring that intentionality into our relationship with this devotional object? Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think it's absolutely you know as you're saying, but we need to be attentive to what's going on. Right, and if at the, the, the moment we notice this, we can interrogate it, we can critique it, we can stand back from it, and ultimately we can. I mean, as I hope some of this conversation is doing, kind of laugh a little bit at it and say, "Oh my goodness, isn't that crazy? Right? Isn't this just insane that <laughs> that we've that we've been drawn, you know, down into this?" And so, is it possible then to pick up that phone again and to use those gestures and those 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 kind of physical bodily motions without being sucked into it? You know, possibly. And I, I think as long as we kind of carry that awareness and we become critical at a deep level of those kind of subtle and unconscious, you know, training that that's going on, you know, within us, right? That in this case, it's trying to get us to treat the world as always available to us, right? At my disposal, it, the world is there to be selected, scaled, scanned, tapped, enjoyed, whatever, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's there for me. Well, if everything else in your life, right, if you've placed yourself in other contexts with other habits, other models, other, you know, exemplars, other practices that are doing the opposite of that and actually directing us towards the fact that the world is a gift of God to be treated sacramentally, offered back in thanksgiving to God and offered for all, right? And in this kind of self-sacrificing love, those things which should dominate our ultimate practice as Christians. Well, then it's possible that in the midst of that, you could still carry a, a phone for all the reasons we said earlier that, that, you know, it enables us to gather together, even when we're physically uh, away from each other, or it allows us to, to kind of carry on and, and, and carry different responsibilities in, in a way that, that previously wasn't possible, right? So all these kinds of things, which are, which are good, but it needs to be wrapped into something much larger. And also it needs to be specifically targeted for critique, right? That we, we're highly sensitive to how this can subtly, you know, take us into directions that, that we don't want to go. But we should never be naive and think, ah, oh, well, that's the weak-minded, <laughs> you know, who, who are susceptible to this kind of thing. I think as soon as we think that, we probably are the most, you know, susceptible, you know, to it. Because the point is, it's not, it's not the thinking that gets us away from it. It's the practicing of something else. It's the being able to bring our bodies into other kinds of practices that are more about, as I say, using the world rightly, uh, you know, to offer thanksgiving back to God and to serve 
you know, others. And if we're doing that with our bodies more often than not, then a little bit of phone use uh, is hardly going to, um, you know, upset that or, 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 you know, misdirect it um, in an ultimate sense. But but let's not assume that it, this is just, you know, the weak-minded who, who fall prey to this, because this is a very subtle, very insidious, and it's affecting, you know, a whole lot of different people. And it's deliberate. I mean, the, the people who make these things know that this is how it works, because it's actually, you know, it, it leads to all kinds of, you know, physiological responses. I mean, there's dopamine rushes that, that give us, you know, in, in, euphoria when, when certain kinds of, of interactions take place with these devices, right? So it's, it's programmed to do this. It's not like that, you know, somehow this was an accidental byproduct, you know, of the thing. It was deliberately designed to do this. So let's be very, very circumspect indeed, very careful, use them, as you say, as a tool for good, not as a, as a tool for, for anything other than that. If you are getting value from this podcast, please consider writing a short, positive five-star review on your podcast app. And even though we are social media free, there is still a place you can keep up to date with Enacting the Kingdom. You can join the email list by going to enactingthekingdom.com. There's a scene in the movie version of Lord of the Rings near the beginning where Bilbo is packing things up and then he realizes that the ring isn't in his pocket. And for those listeners who don't know, the Lord of the Rings is all about this ring that people want, right? So you want to have it. And Bilbo has had it for like decades at this point. And he kind of keeps it a secret, but he can't find it. And he's sort of freaking out. And he's like flipping papers off the table. Where is it? Where is it? And he can't find it. And then he realizes it was in his pocket the whole time. Right. And it's, it's this insidious scene, right, where the, um, the the ring seems to have a mind of its own and is able to influence you beyond uh, just the times that you're using it. Right. It influences you all the time. And honestly, Father Jeffrey, when I watch that scene nowadays, I'm, this is 100 percent exactly my relationship with my phone, mm. which is terrifying that I will often um, I will I try, try, try and make a point of leaving my smartphone on my desk when I'm at home, right? So there, there's no reason for me to carry that phone when I go to the kitchen or I go to the dining area or to the living room or to the bedroom. There's no reason for me to carry that phone with me almost 100% of the time. Sometimes, you know, there's a reason, but most of the time there isn't. So I try and keep it on the dining room, uh, sorry, on the desk. But then I'll be maybe watching some TV or I'll be eating dinner with my wife. And then I realize my phone's in my pocket. Right, like I, at least it's not in your hand. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, sometimes that too. But like, my, but like, I've had that realization. I'm like, how? Like, yeah. I don't. I literally do not remember putting it there and how it got there. Mm. And it, like, it's it that it's been scary a couple of times recently. Yeah, you're precious. Yes, it's it is my precious, and I like you know I I pet it and you know all all of it. Yeah, no, no, and and I mean throughout, you know, that story of of the ring. I mean, it's it's being caressed, it's being reached for, it's being you know, and, and it's it's embedded, you know, deep in 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 one's body, and it becomes, you know, such a deep, deep desire, right? That is not even consciously thought of, and to challenge Bilbo, you know, uh, is a dangerous thing because of course he gets quite cross. You know, I, I, of course I didn't do that. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not addicted. I'm not connected to this in the way that you think but of course he is so it's a horrible 
um, image of <laughs> of what we, you know so much uh, of what our modern life has become, right? With with these things, and uh, I, I mean, again, we're not being, as you say, the crotchety, you know, uh, anti technology types here, but let's at least be aware, deeply aware of what's going on here. And, and, and let's redeploy these things, you know, for something that is altogether better and more in keeping with our proper human nature. And just to, just to add to the point of us not being crotchety, uh, anti-technology people here, I think both of us own an Apple watch, uh, Apple smartphone and an iPad and probably a laptop and a computer and a little bit of, a little bit of everything. Hey, Father Jeffrey. Steve Jobs would be very happy with us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, this now, podcast it, was brought to you <laughs> by Apple. Now, without making too much of a plug for the watch thing, I actually found the watch was a helpful step in this regard, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because um, the watch does, uh, although, I mean, it's technically tethered in a technological sense to the phone and, and so forth, but it, it allows me to not be on the phone all the time. I can leave the phone on the desk, right? And so th- those things which I do need to be notified for, I mean, there are times, as you know, Father, you're, as a priest, you, you have to be available, right? And so the idea of just turning off completely is not exactly available to us, but it doesn't mean we have to be glued to those screens all the time. So actually, I mean, the watch from a health point of view has been helpful, you know, keeping track of fitness and, and everything. But but I think also this, I, I spend a lot less time on my phone since having the watch because I can be notified where needed. I can set things for certain priorities and, and whatever. And But otherwise leave behind that much more, um, you know, black hole like nature of, of the phone where, you know, you, you start on one thing, you think I'm just going to look up one website or I'm just going to read this one email. And then an hour later, you realize you've gone down 12 rabbit holes of, of uh, you know, searches and pursuits and, and reading one thing or, or the other. So it's harder to do that on the, on the watch, right? The tiny screen, it just, it does yeah. the one thing. Exactly. And so, I mean, it's not about more is better <laughs> because I know that, that these are not inexpensive items, but for my own, that, that whole lifestyle I described of having multiple worlds that intersect and overlap and everything, I, I mean, it has been a, a really useful tool. But specifically in this, I don't spend as much time staring at the the phone screen, you know, as much to the point where maybe there'll be the point where I can not have the phone altogether and just have some sort of uh, even better watch that that does the things I need from it. And that might be, you know, a, a healthier way of relating to it because it has, there are fewer micro practices and bodily, you know, engagements with, with the watch, right? And, and maybe eventually it'll be projected from our you know, eyes somehow in front of us in some sort of heads up display or, or whatever. It's all very scary, but but potentially some of this is better because it's less, you know, connected in that bodily fashion. Enacting the Kingdom only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. Esther writes, It all started when a very talented and active member of our parish sent out a link for the episode concerning fasting featuring the bright and pious authority Rita Madden. I had witnessed her wisdom before, so I tuned in, found the format of enacting the kingdom very appealing, and immediately became a patron. I have found all of the additional podcasts extremely beneficial and have since evangelized a prominent member of our Orthodox community to do the same. Keep up the good work. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. Our phones are like unlimited. Right. Like I, I have an Apple iPhone. It's like 
unlimited. I can do whatever I want on that thing. Like it's so powerful. And it's not only unlimited and so powerful, it is built for me and my mm. brain, right? It's, it's, it's as if I'm being babied through my human experience, right? Everything is handed to me on a silver platter. And what I think a lot of people have been doing, uh, you know, the people that have been moving to maybe more uh, dumb technology as opposed to smart technology um, is to actually add layers of friction, right? There's mm -hmm. something useful about adding layers of friction between you and a gratifying desire. If you really want to not eat the chips that are on the counter, maybe don't leave the chips on the counter, right? So you add that layer of friction. If you really don't want to shop on Amazon so much, maybe you could have a family member keep the password and change it every week, right? So you <laughs> need to always go through your family member to get the password for your Amazon account, right? So you're adding that layer of friction. And I think there's things we can do to add layers of friction, not to not use the technology, but to use it with intention. I think that's what we're going to keep coming back to, to use it with intention and purpose. Yeah, I mean, this is part of that iPhoneization of our you know, world that, that we have, right? The, uh, it's just that instant delivery of anything we want. And that's just an amazing concept. I mean, almost every book or piece of music or piece of art or whatever that you'd want to look at from human history is available if you know how to search in a few clicks, right? And you can have access to that. And that's incredible. And that's so empowering. And that's so, you know, I mean, our ancestors would have been just overwhelmed, you know, with, with that possibility, things that, you know, some of them maybe spent all lifetime looking for, we have access to in, in a few short seconds. But what I've noticed, you know, in terms of how that has changed people's uh, approach to things is there's just very little patience, you know, very little willing to wait, you know, for something, whether it's in a, in ordinary life of, you know, the, wanting gratification for something, as you say, the, the kind of uh, purchases on Amazon or the, or the certain types of foods. But what about the spiritual life where, you know, some things are long-term, right? And, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience of people who come for, you know, counseling or confession or whatever, and, and you know, they're, they're back a few days later and say, it didn't work. I'm not yet a saint. You know, what, what's, what's wrong? You know, and I'm thinking, is this maybe the, you know, the, the internet has taught you that somehow these things should be instantaneous. As soon as you desire them, you can fulfill, you know, every desire. And uh, I, I think it probably is a bit the case, right? That we've just been trained that the world is some sort of cosmic vending machine, put the right input in and you get it out immediately rather than thinking I'm starting this process and it's going to take a long period of time and I'm willing to wait Right. And all the stuff we've been reading in the in the Desert Fathers in our that series has been about, you know, it, it well, every day is a new start. But I mean, it, it's just a long journey, many, many steps. And you can't instantaneously satisfy things. And yet these devices have taught us precisely the opposite. Right. We've trained our brains, our bodies into thinking you can have it now. Right. And I, I mean, I, I, I find myself doing this all the time. I'm listening to a lecture or something. Somebody mentions a book. Five seconds later, I own the book. Right. <laughs> you know, and then a week later, I've forgotten about it because I didn't really need that book after all. You know, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a very disturbing <laughs> state of affairs, mm -hmm. that kind of instantaneous thing. Whereas previously, I would have been, okay, I've written it down on a sheet of paper. I'm gonna, next time I'm in a library or at a bookstore, I'll maybe look it up, you know. And by the time you've kind of 
sorted that all out and thought that through and done and gone through that process, you maybe realize, well, that, that, that book might have been seemed really important in the in the moment, but it's not overall, and so I don't need to own it. And that's just about a book, right? And think about all the other things that it could be. So, when I think of the phone as a devotional object, I think it's a lot harder to see in our own life, right? We just use our phone as a tool. Like when you are looking at your screen, you know what you're looking at. But when you look at other people, when you look, I mean, you're on the subway or you're on uh, public transit or walking down the street or in a stadium or, or things like that, people's lives seem to be uh, mediated by their phone, right? How many times if you're watching sports or uh, some sort of big event on TV and you see people in the crowd, like half the crowd has their phone out filming it and you, and you want to be like, well, you realize there are professional cameras filming this for you. <laughs> like you can go back and watch this later. But people mediate that experience through their phone and, and often you see people kind of looking at their phone and everyone seems to be bowed in prayer before mm -hmm. the images of their gods. And there's, this, uh, there's a song that I like by a, a band and I want to read one of the lyrics here, but it's all about how we have become, uh, what they're criticizing is that tendency to become slaves to these objects, right? Mm -hmm. Slaves to these technologies. Um, and they have a line here that says, uh, you're, you're a man, you're a woman, you're not some machine. Why do you always stare at the screen? Why do you always bow your head down? I know you used to be proud. And th this call for us to, to recapture what it truly means to be human and for us to be the masters of this technology, not for this technology to be masters of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's part of the answer here has to be recasting some of our thinking and, and words around it as that song does, you know, to understand just how powerful, devotional, liturgical, you know, these things are. I mean, if, if we stopped calling them you know, convenience devices or smartphones or whatever, and called them the liturgy in my pocket, <laughs> you know, maybe we would yeah, start that to- That has a different yeah, cast to it. Yeah, it does. And then, okay, okay, suddenly, hmm, <laughs> what, what liturgy am I really wanting to be part of? And it's part of, I mean, this whole series in a way about calling these things liturgies. It's not just a clever, you know, clickbaity <laughs> sort of title. It, it's meant to sort of say, let's waken up to exactly what's going on here. And- and it is that, right? It's not that we're using that word in a, in a kind of clever way just to get people's attention. It's 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 to say these. This is what's at stake here. That your human nature and your the whole purpose of your being is what's you know being put on the table here. And so let's at least acknowledge that, and then we have a fighting chance of of maybe working against it, or at least as I say, wrapping our, our practices with these things in a, a wider set of practices that can counterform what's going on. Let's acknowledge this is always going to deform us. Uh, but if we can minimize that and then be counterformed by a whole lot of other things that are more properly liturgical in the way that we would like to be involved, the things we want to be devoted to, the things we want to desire, the things we want to serve, then these things will be a little less idolatrous and enslaving. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Yuri Gladio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning, and I'm joined on this show by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Come connect with us on Patreon with any thoughts and follow-ups about this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>